is on page 1112 in the Church Bible, Acts chapter 16, on page 1112 of the Church Bible. Acts 16, commencing at verse 16. <clears throat> Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, she, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul came to be annoyed and he turned round and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that, that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into some uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed to the the foul trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They then spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. 
May God bless this reading to each one of us. Our Gospel reading can be found on page 1085 of the Bible. John chapter 17, starting to read at verse 20. That's page 1085. Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made them known to them. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. The secret of happiness is freedom. The secret of freedom is courage. And this one from Nelson Mandela. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Being free mentally, physically and emotionally is a birthright of every individual. We all need to break the shackles which hold us back and hinder our liberty. Freedom of thinking, speech and living is the key to evolve and emerge as great humans. Freedom. There's so many quotes out there when you look. When you search for freedom, everyone has their own opinion about what it means, and a lot of them centre around freedom of speech or being free to do the things that you want to do. But freedom's the word that struck me when I was reading today's passage from Acts. And although the word's not explicitly used, the three sections that we see show to me examples of freedom and a common thread linking them all together. But first, let's remind ourselves of the scene. Today's reading continues from last week's when Tim spoke to us about Lydia and how we go where the gospel can be preached, go where people can hear it, and when people hear it, stay there. So we're in Philippi. It's a Roman colony on the main road that led from Rome to almost anywhere else like Turkey or further east. Paul, Silas and Timothy, and as most scholars agree, Luke, are heading to a place of prayer usually the synagogue, but there wasn't one in Philippi. So it would have been an informal location by the river outside town. But Philippi wasn't a place where you could just pick up and, you know, pick a place, rock up, preach, wherever you wanted. The authorities would bring you in. So in today's reading, we have three sections. We have the encounter with the slave girl, we have Paul and Silas in jail, and then we have the jailer. So first encounter is the slave girl. In this section of Acts, we know she's a female slave. We don't know her name. But we do know that she's been used by her owners to make money for them. She tells people's fortunes, reaps in a great bounty. They're in profit. 
They like it. Their fortunes are tied up in her ability to see into the future. And in the Philippi culture, it wasn't one where they worshipped the... wasn't one where they worshipped the ancient Greek gods and where divination was something that was sought out. Like, that was normal for them. People wanted to know their future. And vulnerable people were often taken advantage of to make a profit for those that owned them. This girl follows Paul and Silas around, shouting at them, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. That sounds quite accurate, doesn't it? It sounds like what they were doing. They were servants of God. They were sharing the gospel. But in that culture, the Most High God wasn't the God of Abraham. So the ancient Greek culture, it was Zeus. The other difference is that saved isn't what we know as the Western culture of, you know, are you going to heaven, are you going to hell, sort of salvation thing. Saved meant health or prosperity or to be rescued. The ladies, in many ways, were sharing what they were doing, but the context was different. She wouldn't have known what she was really saying. This girl was spiritually bound. She wasn't getting her information from the source of truth. She had a prophetic spirit that her mind has made a profit from. And once again, like we have seen when Jesus was proclaiming truth, spiritual forces were stirred up by the new gospel work that was going on. So Paul and Silas have this for a few days, and then Paul gets fed up, gets annoyed, as the Bible says, and turns to her and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. We've heard commands like this happen before from Jesus, and we watch as the Spirit leaves. And now Paul does the same thing. Calling on the name of Jesus, he commands the Spirit to leave, and we read, at that moment, the Spirit left her. This girl that was spiritually bound has now been set spiritually free. We have our first type of freedom, spiritual freedom. No longer could she be exploited by her minders. No longer was she bound by the spirit that was holding her that wasn't of God. She's been set spiritually free. But for Paul and Silas, this encounter takes away their physical freedom. The minders, realizing they're now unable to make any money from them, from the slave, get the hump. And it brings a profit motive into play. The gospel has affected their income, and it's turning nasty. So taken to the authorities, they're accused of being Jews and advocating customs that aren't Romans. Now remember, Philippi is a Roman colony. They need to be seen to be doing the Roman things and following the Roman practices. So you now have a combination of religion, money, and politics thrown into the mix with Paul and Silas and they're thrown into jail. Their physical freedom is taken from them, flogged and bound and put into stocks and treated like a criminal in the dark cell. And I can't help but think what I would have done in that situation. Here they are trying to share the message of Christ, and this is where they end up, battered and physically bound. That doesn't sound fun. But it's the first of many trial scenes that now appear in Acts as Paul tries to share the message of Christ and faces accusations, threats, violence and intimidation. God's messengers aren't protected from the suffering that comes when economic and political or religious rules are challenged. But here and in the trials that we see to come, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. God vindicates. And wouldn't we prefer it if we could have the result without the process, the crown without the thorns, the crown without the cross? Wouldn't that be better? But that doesn't seem to be the way of the kingdom of God. Paul and Silas, though, are men of faith. And in the darkness, when their legs are bound, like Napo said, they use their mouths. 
and they continue to look up to the God that they love, the God that they serve, and they sing and praise and pray. In the midst of their difficulties, and alone at the darkest hour of the night, they still worshipped. And the other prisoners can't help but listen. In worshipping, the door of heaven opens and God brings their vindication. The earthquake comes. In calling on the name of Jesus, they were set physically free. So we have a spiritual freedom and we have a physical freedom. Paul and Silas, blooded from their beatings, in the dark and fastened, aren't powerful. They aren't free. All they can do is sing. But even when they are free, even when the earthquake comes, they choose to stay and they don't leave. What did Tim say last week? When people hear it, stay. There was someone else to share the gospel with. So enter the jailer. He looks free. He works for the most powerful empire. It's his prison, his keys. But he'd rather take his own life before the shame and suffering that would come if the prisoners escaped. He looks free, but he isn't really free to live. Real freedom comes when we admit our powerlessness and turn our lives over to a higher power. And Paul seems to know what's about to happen. Don't harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer falls down and asks him, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And now remember the context we spoke about in the beginning. Saved didn't mean for him salvation. Saved for him he was basically asking, gentlemen, what do I do to get out of this mess? What do I do to get out of it? And Paul and Silas' response takes the jail deeper. They answer his question whilst also answering the deep world question. They share the basic message of the, of the Christian faith. Believe in Lord Jesus. And that's what we believe, isn't it? And as Tom Wright says, it's not about getting in touch with the inner self or committing oneself to a life of worship, prayer, good works, or believing in some particular theory about precisely how God works, it's acknowledging that Jesus is Lord, and everything else is then contained in that. The jailer's not asking for a detailed exposition of justification by, faith through, by, of gra by grace through faith or any other word that you want to throw in there. No. How do I get out of it? So Paul and Silas offer a call to faith. And this verse, through to verse 34, then sets the scene within which the word of the Lord is spoken. Service to others occurs. Baptism happens. A meal shared. And this nighttime, a celebratory feast becomes an external expression of the inner joy this family experiences. This feast is a celebration of God's kingdom coming. The jailer and his family are free. Free to live, for they have known salvation in its truest form. We have a spiritual freedom, a physical freedom, and then the jailer's freedom to fully know salvation. So what's the common thread? The name of Jesus. Jesus brings freedom. It's the name of Jesus that frees the slave girl, spiritually. It's by praising and calling on the name of Jesus that Paul and Silas are freed, physically. And it's by believing in Jesus that the jailer is made free by salvation. Their lives were changed by his name, and yet there's more. These three things happened because the words came out of Paul and Silas's mouth. It was Paul and Silas who commanded the Spirit to come out. It was Paul and Silas 
that worshipped in the midst of adversity. It was Paul and Silas that shared the gospel message with the jailer and his household. That same power in their mouth is in our mouth. Their words brought freedom. What do our words bring, I wonder? Sometimes I think we can use our words to bind ourselves up. Can't do that. They, they're better. Oh, I'm not capable. I can't. I'm rubbish. I'm not worthy. How often have we experienced others or seen ourselves perhaps experience the debilitating effects of those lies repeated over us, those same negative things spoken, and words have power. And we see here Paul and Silas using their words to bring freedom. And from last week's reading to this week's, we can see that the gospel penetrates the hearts of people from all walks of life. We've got Lydia, who responds to the teaching that she heard. We have a slave girl who's freed from a demon at the mention of the name of Jesus. We have a jailer who then has a dramatic experience and at his lowest point realizes he can know Jesus. Three different people, three different conversion stories, but all of whom epitomized who the Jews held in contempt, a woman, a slave, and a Gentile, all made free. How many of us are free today? And that's the question that kept coming into my head. How many of us are really free? How many of us are spiritually bound? How many of us are perhaps physically bound by something? How many of us, like the jailer, are asking the question, how do I get out of this mess? What do I have to do? And I know from experience how chains can bind us and restrict us. A spirit of fear holding you back, holding you captive and unable to move forward in something. Perhaps a spirit of perfectionism of anger for others of us perhaps an addiction that holds us captive and stops us living freely for some of us like the jailer that just want to know how to get out of the mess and we learn today that calling on the name of Jesus brings freedom so I didn't want to talk for a long time today instead I wanted to ask him what can each of us do are any of us bound? And it's something for us to ask individually. So where you are at the moment, knowing that you have the same spirit in you that Paul and Silas have, let's just close our eyes for a moment. And just picture yourself with him. And it might be you imagine yourself in the story. It might be you imagine yourself in your safe space, in your quiet spot. And just ask him, are there any areas where I'm not free? And see if you get anything back. It might be a reminder of something. It might be a picture. It might be a word. It might not be anything. And if you get something, like Paul and Silas did, 
just call on the name of Jesus and ask him to free us. And it might be for some of you, this is quite hard. Or it's bringing up memories that are painful. But there's people here to pray with you or for you. you've got a memory of something and you don't think you are free and you want to be free then come and get prayer at the end or during the last song Jesus I thank you that when we call on your name we can be free and I thank you that whether we're spiritually bound, whether we're physically bound, or whether we're just in this, that when we call on your name, you are there. I thank you that you gave us your spirit, that we would be able to, to speak things into being. So Father, I pray this morning that we would know freedom. That chains that bind us would no longer bind us. That things that hold us captive would cease to exist. And that you would do that in a safe way. At the appointed time. Father, I pray that we would have the confidence to talk to someone if we need to talk to someone about what might have come up. That you would protect our hearts, that you would protect our minds. And that where you've brought freedom, that you would fill it with your joy and your hope and your peace. Amen.